Welcome to the Dadwork Podcast. My name is Kurt Storing, your host and the founder of Dadwork, getting to self-forgiveness inside of a nightmare with my guest, Gavin Meenan. We go deep today talking about internal conflicts we face as fathers and how they affect us, our spouses, and our children. The overwhelming guilt and pain that comes over us when we try to avoid facing reality. Why having good men in your life matters. Why, in order to experience inner peace and healing, fathers must learn to forgive themselves for past mistakes and aspire to be a better man and father. How and why to provide emotional support tools for our children. Why it's important for us to be able to recognize the emotions that lie underneath our children's words and be present in their life as a safe haven. Why we need to overcome our addictions as men and fathers. And why it's critical for us to identify and comprehend the source of our own pain and trauma. Gavin Meenan is a leading voice in the Irish health and fitness community, a former European powerlifting champion. He has personally helped hundreds of people achieve life-changing results. Gavin resides in the town of Sligo in Ireland, where he has built his business from being a personal trainer in the local community to helping people from all around the world via his exclusive online coaching and mentoring platform. Having impacted over 100,000 people with his unique message, Gavin is now expanding his platform into the men's coaching space. His goal is to help men everywhere build stronger minds, bodies, and lives. This has been his main inspiration for writing and publishing two of his best-selling books. In his personal life, Gavin has overcome struggles such as childhood bullying, trauma, convictions, addictions, and redundancy. He's now on a mission to help all men out there overcome their challenges and move toward a life of fulfillment and success. You can find Gavin online at his website, gavinmeenan.com. You can listen to him anywhere you listen to podcasts. Search for the Modern Warrior Podcast. You can also find him on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with his name, Gavin Meenan. Guys, this is an intense episode. Gavin shares a very real nightmare of a story that I didn't know about before we got on this call. I'm extremely grateful that he was able to share so candidly. And there's such a lesson here, guys, in being able to forgive yourself no matter what you think you have done. So we're going to get into this. And I just want to remind you, if you've been getting value out of this, would you please leave us a rating and review on Spotify or Apple? It takes just a few seconds, and it's one of the best ways to get this work into the hands and ears of more men who need it. Because I think that the more men we get to do this work, the more fathers we get to do this work, literally the better the world is going to be. If you could take five to 30 seconds to leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple, I would very much appreciate that. And if you don't already follow me on Instagram, please do so. That's where I'm most active, dadwork.curt, D-A-D-W-O-R-K dot C-U-R-T on Instagram. With that being said, we're going to get into this excellent episode with Gavin Meenan. Here we go. All right, guys. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Dadwork Podcast. I am pumped to have Gavin Meenan on. I was actually on your podcast recently, which was a ton of fun. And I was like, oh, dude, let's just do this again on mine. So thank you for showing up, man. And I'm really excited to get into this because it sounds like you've got a pretty interesting story to share with the dad. So first of all, welcome and thanks a ton for being here. Likewise, Kurt, man. It's an absolute privilege to be here. Uh, your podcast is, is epic. Your content's epic. And I'm just so happy to be to be a part of that. So thank you so much for having me on. Beautiful. Thank you for buttering me up already. Uh, okay, man. <laughs> well, I, I want to start with your journey through fatherhood because like for me, this is the most important thing in my life. Like I was here, I hated everything. I was terrible at it. And now I'm here where I like, I'm pretty good at most things. And I really love waking up in the morning. And that was so different nine years ago when I first became a dad. 
And I, you know, from what I've gathered, you've got a similar sort of story. So would you just like walk us through from as far back as you think is relevant? Because Mm -hmm. I love getting like the real life success stories and sharing them with the guys listening because it's so motivating and everyone always picks up like a nugget along the way. Uh, So if you're willing, would you walk us through sort of where you were becoming a dad and then what changed and how? Yeah. So at 26, my life changed drastically because that's when I had my my daughter, Ariana, at the time. And during those couple of years, before she was born, I was working as a, as a retail manager. Now, I came out of college and came out in the middle of a, of a recession. And I had a background in fitness and, and personal training, but I just could not find a job anywhere because there was no jobs to be found. And ultimately, took whatever I got. And I had this inner hunger to get on the career ladder and, you know, make money and and to move forward in my life and sort of leave that college life behind me but long story short ariana was born at 26 when i when i was 26 and uh she was born in december and in february i was made redundant from that job that i had so many aspirations and ambitions for and i was basically on my ass um i walked into the shop on a i think it was a monday morning and hr came in at 11 a.m and sat me down and said, Gavin, God, let you go. You know, as bluntly as that. And I had to go like straight away. And I, I walked home, didn't know where to go, what, where to turn. And I'm thinking, man, I'm a, I'm a dad now and I have no job. And like, where do I go from here? So obviously I took a very gung-ho approach. I got home and I got straight on the laptop and applied for every job going. And like I did find another job, but I was fired from that job. Uh, three months later and again back to back to square one and during that time of course ariana was only a few months old and i spent the good part of a year as a stay-at-home dad whilst working you know meaningless jobs around town you know did a bit of security on a on a nightclub door worked a few hours in a shop here and a few hours in a shop there just making ends meet and sort of lost my way during those years and also, I had my own, like they were my external battles. I had my own internal battles at the time as well. Unknown to myself, I didn't have the self-awareness to understand what was really going on there. And I had um, quite a impulsive behavior or compulsive behavior towards porn. It's going to be called a porn addiction. I don't know if you could call it that, but certainly a very unhealthy um, relationship with porn. So over those years where I was sort of lost and directionless and didn't know where to go I, I sort of fell into that realm all the more and you know that certainly held me back from any progress in my life I, I I perhaps was living my life as a victim during those years and feeling sorry for myself and porn was a soother and like staying a staying home dad as much as I look back at it now and I can you know be really grateful for the bond that we created and, and the you know the time I had with her during those years it was very difficult in that moment because uh you know, I'd, I'd always worked from the age of 12, 13, and again, conditioned to always work because my dad always worked and you sort of fall into this conditioning as you move forward in adulthood. And because it didn't work, I felt like a bum. I felt like a loser. And this also transpired into everything else that did in my life. You know, I, I said, lost direction because I wasn't working. Whereas, as I said, reflect back now and, you know, I was, I was a, a stay-at-home dad. I was doing my best for my daughter. I was... You know, I was doing a lot of good things at the time, but 
I didn't have that level of self-compassion to understand that or the level, level of awareness. So I felt sorry for myself. I was a wounded animal and I was uh, soothing myself with this porn. Anyway, some time passed and I remember, you know, these were difficult, difficult months, difficult. It was a difficult year. Relationship as well wasn't wasn't in a good place. Obviously, I wasn't in a good place. It filters, filters on to everything else. And I remember going to the shop one of the days with, with Ariana. We ran out of ran out of powdered milk when she's just a baby and I remember going to the cashier and um grabbed this powdered milk and went to uh went to pay for it and uh the transaction was declined because there was no money in the account and I thought fuck now I can't even feed my own daughter now man what the fuck like what's going on you need to make a change here so I went home deflated and I just sat down and thought, okay, what, like, what are you good at? What have you done before that maybe you could start doing again? You know, you can't find a job, so maybe create a job. And I just had this epiphany or this moment where I thought, you know what, I, you know, I enjoy working with people. I do have a background in personal training. You know what? Maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just start a Facebook page. I'll print in some business cards, and you know, I'll just take a chance. And lo and behold, I, I did that. Started a Facebook page, got the word out there, and. A week or two later, my old friend became my first client. And I was like, great, first client. Right now, what? <laughs> what do I do? Uh, how much do I charge him? No idea. Okay, um, 15, I think it was 15 euro an hour I was charging. I just said, okay, maybe let's just go with that. Googling, what's the going rate for a person trainer? I came up with 15 euro an hour. Then I was, okay, I have nowhere to train him. Where, where do I go to train? So I took a sort of bold approach at that point. And uh, again, this is perhaps a desperate time in my life because I had nothing else going for me. I was very much stuck in life and I had to make something happen. So it was, it was desperation that sort of transferred into inspiration. And then there was a hotel up the road, not too far away from the house. And I said, okay, I'm just going to chance this and just walk into this gym and pretend that I'm, you know, just training with this guy and say nothing. So we did that for a few sessions, but of course they, they realized very quickly that I was actually training this guy and got kicked out because of insurance reasons or whatever else. So, okay, strike one. We'll try another gym. So I did the same thing in another gym. Same story, got kicked out eventually. And it was, you know, the weather was starting to improve. So I said, okay, let's go outdoors and let's, you know, start training outside. Like I had to keep this going. I had to maintain the momentum. I couldn't say, okay, sorry, I can't train anymore. I said, no, I've got to make this work. I've got to, you know, I've got to give this everything I can. So, did that and over that few weeks I also got a couple more clients so things were starting to build very very slowly understanding that I didn't have a lot of connections in the town I didn't know a lot of people so I was like starting from like complete scratch but I got a couple more clients and outdoors for a while but then you know that becomes a sort of difficult because the weather in Ireland is erratic it could be you know winter spring and summer in one day and get caught in showers, caught in rain. So I said, okay, I need to take one more chance here. And went back to my old college and there's a gym there and sneaked upstairs again. <laughs> Third time lucky and managed to stay in that gym. Didn't even realize. I don't think that I was up there training people for like three or four months until they did realize. And at that point, I was able to uh, have a discussion with them that enabled me to stay there and to build my personal training from that from that place. And it just... It blew up over over a six month period where I was absolutely out the door with clients and I was completely inundated with with work and up to the point where 
I was heading towards burnout because I completely invested everything into this. And then my relationship was suffering. My time with my daughter was suffering. Time with myself was suffering. And I got to the point where I had a waiting list full of clients. Couldn't bring them in because nobody was leaving me. So at that point, I reached out to a mentor and we made some changes in order to move forward the business. And then cut my hours there, started building the online business and I had sort of two businesses going at the same time. So instead of doing 60 hours of uh, work in the gym, I was doing maybe 25 hours in the gym, 10 hours then of online coaching and then other bits and pieces. I had time for myself, finally time for myself, time for my family and it could progress with those things as well. So I had to make that change in order to move forward. And from there, it's just grown massively over the last few years. And yeah, that got to a certain point. As I said, I had a lot of inner difficulties, you know, during that whole time, I still had my porn addiction. I still had my underlying traumas and pain that I had not processed and carrying this with me throughout all of those years until I got to the point where I couldn't carry it anymore. It just got too heavy and began to uh, speak to a counsellor and and to uh, make some progress internally. So, yeah, that was was quite difficult. Like, uh, again, just to give you a bit of background in terms of what was really going on there, what was the sort of inner chaos, so to speak, was related, mostly related to uh, a car accident that I was involved in when I was 18, where I took my dad's car and, me, me and a few of my mates, we, we went for a drive. And this is something I would have done quite frequently. Um, when I was 18 years old, my dad would let me take the car and go for a spin. So this one evening, went for a drive and I just took a corner too fast and crashed into the uh, to the car coming in the opposite direction. And the lady in the car, she died on the scene. And I went through a whole process there of... Um, Grief, guilt, you name it, all, all of the all of the negative emotions for, for years to come. <clears throat> but at the same time I didn't I didn't process any of it. I carried it with me for over ten years of my life before I actually reached out and started speaking to someone about it. So, you know, whilst I had all these external challenges of redundancy and being fired and becoming a dad and building a business, all that ex- external stuff, nothing really mattered because I had this internal chaos that I carried with me the whole way throughout that and that had a massive impact in terms of how everything else operated so that's when the real work began when I started speaking to this counselor and um yeah that was a that was a difficult but necessary process as well and um yeah (laughs) while I go on there's so much more but yeah yeah no that thank you for sharing all that man and um like I'm surprised because I didn't think that was where we were going. Um, and now I'm like, oh shit, like what other questions am I going to ask here? Because that feels enormous. And I'm like really curious how you got through that. So I don't know if that's still tender. I don't know if you want to go there. But like for me, something as big T traumatic as that, I've never experienced. And so just curiosity wise, and other people obviously have gone through things like this. What was that process like? Because I'm used to like, you know, childhood wounds, something happened, you're abandoned, neglect, you know, big T trauma, whatever. But then to have it sort of like later in life and have it be such, like, I, I'm, I'm just feeling sort of like deflated in my own gut right now. I'm just like, you know, wanted to share that for everyone listening. I don't know how you guys are feeling. Um, and I'm so curious how you got through that. 
Like what, what were some of the tools? How did you build that self-awareness after years of just like grinding on the external world? Like, okay, I finally figured it out. Like great success story, bro. And like, oh, I'm fucking miserable inside. What, what did that look like? How did you even get to that point? Like, oh, I just found a counselor and it was good. Was that it? Or was there like more to your story and what kind of healing did you have to go through to get to this point to even talk about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like just to give you some context, the the car accident happened on a on a Thursday evening, all right, and um, worst weekend of my life, um, as you can imagine. So, like, it, I come from a small town, so I actually knew the lady who died as well, and knew her family. So it's it's pretty it's a pretty tight knit community. My parents owned a pub in the town, and her brothers and her family would often frequent the pub. So, like, everyone knew everyone that was involved in that car accident, and. Uh, yeah, I went through a process there and that was Thursday, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, going through the wakes and the funerals and, you know, a massive blow to me as well at that point was, uh, I still remember, you know, I, st- I sort of remember defining moments during that episode as uh, the police came into my house on the the day afterwards, like me still reeling from the shock of the accident and said, well, you know, Gavin's going to be most likely convicted for dangerous driving, causing death. And to me, that was like another massive hammer blow because I don't know why, but at no point up to that point did I did I realize that I was in deep shit here, that I was actually going to be convicted. You know, it, it, it was just too overwhelming. I was trying to process what happened with the car accident the next thing this comes at me as well and i remember like i took that really really hard because i actually believed i was going to go to jail at that point so nobody knew what to do you know this is like what do you do in that situation this is a thursday i had just finished my first week in college first week of freedom to be uh locked up again to a certain extent uh, after one week so it happened on a thursday the college i went to is maybe two and a half hours away from my home place. And I was <clears throat> advised by the police. I was advised by my parents and the people close to me that, you know what, Gavin, I think it's best that you get back to normal life as soon as possible. And um, they're most likely afraid that if I hung around or if I stayed around the home place that I would dwell in it and I'd most likely fall into deep depression and whatever else could happen from there. So I don't look back at that or blame anyone for the decisions they made because they didn't have a fucking clue what to do. So that was what they, that was best. But on reflection, you know, that was um, an avoidance. That was uh, an escape from, from town. It was an escape from that experience. And I could go away, go to college. And as I said, did not process any of that. I felt after one week, maybe two weeks that I felt, ah, you know what? I've got this now. I'm, you know what? I, I can handle it. You know, I can I can move forward, and um, yeah, I, I'm okay. I'm okay. Everyone, I'm okay. I've, I'm fine. But then all the while, drinking myself silly several times a week, um, excusing that as oh, I'm just I'm just being young. I'm just being wild. I'm just being free. Mm, really, uh, you know, blackouts three or four times a week. Is that normal? Is that you know? Is that a normal thing to do? So again, completely dismissed all that. And drinking, I was drinking quite heavily for a number of years afterwards. There's actually one episode where I think it was a year or two after it happened and I was around the 
is around that time of year. It happened in September, is around the end of August, September time, and actually one night ended up in in hospital in A and E because I got so drunk. I uh, went on this complete whiskey binge with one of my friends and uh, couldn't stand up. I was getting sick all over myself, and my parents had to come and pick me up. It was like that was was pretty bad. Like that was the tipping point, perhaps, of of my drinking. But all the while thinking, yeah, it's fine. Like uh, it's it's not the car accident, you know. No, I'm I'm over that. It's fine. But then, all throughout those years as well, I did not make any opportunity, or did not create any opportunity, or avoided any opportunity for, for peace or for being alone. And again, reflecting back on this because I didn't have the awareness at the time. Like I wouldn't even even be able to sleep without having some music in my ears. You know, I, I avoided, I avoided peace at every cost. However, there are some days where I would become, I'd sort of fall into accidental peace. You know, I couldn't drive at the time, so I had to go on these buses and I went on buses to and from college. And sometimes my iPod would die and uh, I'd be there in silence on a bus. And that's when the overwhelming guilt and, and pain would come over me. But again, I never questioned it. Never questioned it. I just... I don't know what I did. I had the blinkers on. I was completely, perhaps woefully blind, as Jordan Peterson would put it, to uh, the the underlying pain I had within. So over the years, like my daughter being born was was quite a pivotal moment in my life as well because it's, it's, it's a time I know I was going through a lot of difficulties with the porn. Like That was also my escapism. That was also my comfort, my soother with all that pain. And But at the same time, I knew I had to make a change. And over... The years before I reached out to the counselor, I started making some changes with the porn. I started to um, reduce my uh, my consumption of it and stopped drinking as much. And, uh, you know, started to try to be a man, you know, try to be the best father possible. Um, because understanding too, I had a, <laughs> had a father wound there. See, that's another conversation. So <laughs> I had a... Yeah, so I wanted to be the best dad because I didn't feel like my dad was showing that he that he he didn't show up for me in my life. So I wanted to make sure I was there for my daughter. So um, that was a defining moment. But it got to the point where um, I was making those changes, but understanding because of the lack of alcohol and because of the lack of porn, now there was more peace. There was more time on my own, and there was more pain coming to the surface. And it got to the point where just one day. I don't know why, but one day I just had this overwhelming feeling of guilt and the guilt was associated with her son. Her son was in the car at the time as well. He was three. And uh, I started thinking about him a lot, a lot. And uh, I felt completely guilty that I had taken his mum away. And um, that was that was the defining moment where... I carried that for a few days. Again, I tried to maybe ignore it or suppress it as uh, as I was so good in doing. But just one day I sat in my car after I finished in the gym and I said, no, I can't do this anymore. Grabbed the phone, hopped onto Google and just rang a, a counselor and said, yeah, I need I need help. I need to talk to, need to talk to someone. And that was <clears throat> a process that, again, began for, for a year or so. And um, I don't actually remember any of the conversations we had it's it's strange i don't remember any of the conversations we had but i do remember again the defining moment of that journey 
which was uh, her question to me was, uh, can you forgive yourself for what you've done? I said, nah, nah, I can't forgive myself. Like, what are you? What was that a joke? Uh, I can't forgive myself what I've done. And she then asked me, well, you know, you, you knew the, you knew the lady, yeah? And you got on pretty well with her, which I did. I used to work with her in a, in a shop in, in the town, actually, and we got on really well. And, you know, if, if she was here, like, you know, would she forgive you? I thought, fuck, that question floored me. And uh, I had to take a few moments to rethink about it. And knowing her and um, the relationship that we had and understanding that, you know, she would have seen me as a, a pretty good person and that it wasn't my intention to, to do that. I said, yeah, yeah, she probably would. She probably would forgive me, yeah. And that was a massive weight off my shoulders just to have that realization that, yeah, she she probably would forgive me. Now, I can't be certain of that, but, you know, to put it in context in terms of the relationship we had and understanding that, you know, I wouldn't have had that intention, of course, of going out and doing it. Um, at that point, I answered that, yes, she would forgive me. Did I fully believe that? Probably not. At the time, I wanted to believe it, but it still took me a number of years to... Uh, to forgive myself and it's still a process i think it's still a process every single day you know i've been asking that question even the last few months like have i really forgiven myself for what i've done you know have i uh, and it's i think it's a it's a daily process of maybe asking that question and maybe reframing the situation and understanding the context behind it and um you know it's not just forgiving myself for the accident but it's forgiving myself for everything that happened before and after the accident as well like understanding like that's 10 years of my life where i drank myself silly i wasted my time wasted my energy did a lot of meaningless stupid things throughout those years and as i was going through my personal development journey i would look back at my 20 something year old gavin and i beat that guy up i said that guy was a fucking dick like what was he doing like gobshite out drinking every night blackouts every night getting into fights watching porn every like man that guy was pathetic hang on a second wait a minute this guy is in extreme pain he's completely lost in life he's got no guidance he's got no one there to show him the way he's he's broken you went back there and beating this guy up he's already in the floor he's already crippled so that guy doesn't need another kick that guy needs an arm on the shoulder and just someone to tell him, you know what, it's going to be okay again, you know. And uh, that's what I had to do. And that was, you know, I talk about finding this inner peace within myself over the last year or so. And that was, I think, the missing piece in finding that peace was forgiving my forgiving myself for what I've done. And again, it's a process. Every single day I, I have my have my questions in my journal and um you know i i ask some pretty tough questions tough but necessary questions of myself in order to just rise above that and um understanding that if, if i'm going around with this guilt or this sort of negativity it, it's going to filter on to the people in my life it's going to affect my kids my relationship my business it's you know you've, you've got to make sure that you're okay gavin so that everyone else is is going to be okay so i don't just do this for myself i do it for the people i love the most and 
for the clients and the men I work with and for all that I do. So, yeah. Man, thank you for sharing all that. You're welcome. Whew. Yeah, I, I'm going to... I'm going to need a breath after that. That's for sure. Um, I, oh man, this is just, this got way heavier than I was anticipating. <laughs> uh, and I appreciate that so much, man. Cause this is like, this is the, the deepest and most like ridiculously real stuff that, you know, we could be listening to right now. And I wanted to talk to you about, you know, forgiving yourself. And I, you know, was under the impression from a last talk that's like, oh, you know, you weren't a very good dad and okay, whatever. Like I've gone through that too. And like that was, it's funny you say that though, because even for me who it's like, okay, I, I see in my oldest particularly what my poor parenting did to him. And I did not forgive myself because I thought like, oh, you are a piece of shit, man. Like what an idiot. I can't believe you fucked up your kid like that. And I had to go through, it was not until like even pretty recently too, in my, my journey, I went through the same thing that you asked yourself, which is like, oh, can I forgive myself? And then not go, no, I need to be punished more, but go like, oh man, was I ever hurting to do that to another human being? Like, yeah, it's, it wasn't, it's not because I was bad. It's not because I'm a, a loser because I was hurting and we don't need, there's a meditation I like listening to sometimes where the, the woman says like, when you're down, you don't need less love. You need more. And I was like, Oh fuck man. Like that, that was so hard to get to though. And I wonder if there was anything along that journey for you that was like, any thoughts you have on that as you're going through it still, because this, like I said, was like the hardest thing for me to finally realize. And it was like the key to unlocking the ability to move forward. Um, so I, I don't want to like beat a dead horse because it's pretty much just like look back, realize that you weren't an idiot. You were doing the best you could with the tools that you had. Forgive yourself, but it took me a long time, man. So I don't know if there's anything else you can add to this or if I'm just beating a dead horse. So what, what do you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, as I said, yeah, I had my daughter when I was 26 and I was completely clueless and completely lost and completely broken within myself. And obviously that had an impact on my daughter and <clears throat> I can identify that now within her. You know, I see some of these patterns within her you know she's a good kid but i can see some of my bad habits have transferred onto her and um my sort of frustrations or my temper at the time you know she's she would sort of have my temperament from those earlier years however i do have the opportunity now to sort of somewhat correct that course for her if that's the right term but to even just help raise her level of self-awareness in terms of understanding you know ariana maybe if you approach this differently you might get a better result or maybe you know just sort of step back from this situation and maybe ask a different question in terms of what you're actually trying to achieve here so it may be pretty heavy stuff for 11 year olds so i'm 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 trying to not go too deep into it but i understand as well that okay um she's going to have her difficulties she's going to have her wounds from her past we we're all going to have wounds we, we we can't like there's no there's no perfect human beings here but if i can s- somewhat help her adopt some tools and strategies so we, she can use them in her times of difficulties then you know i think I've, I've done a good job there and as i said she's 11 you know i've still got a few more years here to help her understand the importance of those strategies and those tools to help her overcome whatever challenges come her way and yeah, this is something that uh, could be a great opportunity for her. I mean, yeah, she may have to go through some healing process herself or get over some pains or difficulties from her own past. But you know, and I know the enormous amount of growth and progress you can 
that, that 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 can come from that. So, you know, if life's all been happy and joyful, like where's the where's the challenge? Where's the growth? Where's the progress? So, but it's what you do in those moments, and that's what I'm trying to help her with. And again, I do that from my own demonstrations now i wanted to see what i'm doing every single day with the journaling what the work i'm doing you know sure some of the stuff i'm doing online with the with the guys sure some of my videos sure videos of me jumping into the sea training in the gym all these sort of things that um she can see that i'm benefiting from and will as i say transfer onto her as well and maybe she could adopt them and so yes to be that example now yeah, I, it's funny. I literally just recorded a podcast. It'll be going out other. Well, you know, this will be a few a few weeks from now. But uh, anyway, from when we're recording, it'll go out soon. And it's about this basically, which is how to bring mindfulness to your young kids without like forcing them to meditate. And um, one of the things that I thought as well in my own life is I just show them. Yeah, I meditate. Yeah, I journal. Yeah, I, like look at the work I'm doing. Yeah, I go to men's group. And uh, same sort of thing. Like I brought my uh, son when he was eight, he just turned nine afterwards. Um, but we went and did the cold plunge this year on January 1st. And he's like, Oh, I'm going to do it this year. And I was like, okay, man, like you come on. And he hated it. And then once he warmed up, he's like, Oh, I'm so tough. And I'm like, bro, you're crying there for a second, but uh, yeah, good job. And so it's, it's fun, right. To like bring them along and show them what you do because they're going to do what we do, not what we say. And so giving them the tools, which we never had growing up, I just feel like, you know, as much as I screw up as a father from now on, they're always going to have at least a toolbox. And I was like, when I was growing up, I was like, I didn't even know there was a toolbox. Never mind that I could reach in there and like use a tool. So they're going to be like, oh, my dad messed me up and thank goodness I can meditate away. And it's like, okay, well, you know, I, I will give them some wounding, but it's not going to be as bad as I got, I hope. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to ask and, you know, feel free to not answer if you don't want before we move on to something else, what has been the process for you finding forgiveness from the family of this woman? And how have you sort of stayed strong in that to accept whether or not they forgive you and still move on with your life, knowing that you're still a valuable human being? Is there anything in there to touch on? Yeah, well, the thing is, a lot of them, the ones that I spoke to anyway, did not hold this against me. So as I said, this was a pretty tight-knit community. And during those years, yeah, I was I was still going out. I was still drinking, as you know. And I'd bump into her nephews, and one of her nephews would come up to me and say, "Hey, man, Gavin, look, we don't hold this against you. Any of us could have taken the car keys, and you know, it's just an accident. This could have happened to anyone." <clears throat> but at the time, that just went over my head. At the time, I would have actually preferred it at that point if he said, "Yeah, Gavin, you're a piece of shit. How how could you do this to our family?" And that would have sort of convinced me of my own self-hatred and my own guilt that I was carrying. Say, yeah, yeah, that you're right. Yeah, I'm a piece of shit. How could I do this? Because that was my own internal dialogue and my own internal belief. So at the time, yeah, they they, they had forgiven me. Um, now it's a big family as well, so I can't speak for everyone. And one memory that sort of sticks out with me is uh, like I wanted to go to the to the wake you know i wanted to see her before she uh went to the church and we went down to her went down to the house on a <clears throat> on the sunday morning early before anyone else arrived and i remember walking to the door and uh i uh yeah i looked up and she had a few brothers one one of the brothers was uh was bringing us into the house like he was very welcoming he was being really nice and i walked in and uh, her other brother was standing by the doorway in the kitchen and he just looked at me and he he turned away like turned away in disgust he couldn't look at me 
and that memory's stayed with me, you know, up to this day. Um, I, I went into the room, I seen her, and I uh, can't even put into words what I was feeling. I did, uh, yeah, I don't know what I was feeling in that moment, but um, that was a completely surreal experience. Like, th- there was times in that weekend where I actually thought I was in a nightmare, didn't think it was real. Like, I'm convinced that I was in a nightmare. Um, it, it was that surreal, but so like there's there's those sort of episodes that 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 carry with me that um almost continue to instill this uh this feeling of guilt you know because i could feel the hatred or the disgust from him or from perhaps other other members of the family from what i understand some of our other nephews or some of the other people in the family sort of came and went in terms of oh yeah like this could happen to anyone it's an accident then another week they could be hating me for what i've done you know and um and obviously like it's you know it's it's a death in the family and it's something that you know i was responsible for so um extremely difficult time and of course i didn't spend a lot of time at home so maybe that was you know that was one way that my parents tried to protect me so that i wouldn't be sort of invested in the community and and again on reflection you know that was something difficult for me to actually process where i felt like man was i was I fucking kicked out of the community? Was I exiled here to a certain extent? Was I was I pushed away? And over the years, I've sort of began to understand that maybe that's how I internalized that, that, no, you're not welcome here, Gavin. You've got to go. You know, you, you can't be here because you've done this. So, you know, I don't, I don't live there anymore. Um, I have this sort of um, yearning to go home. And I think... A big reason why I haven't moved home is because of that, because um, because of that experience, because I feel like I was pushed away for what I've done. So again, this is all going back to the self forgiveness and getting to that point. And um, and yeah, like the, uh, there was a process there, of course, where um, like I was convicted for dangerous driving, causing death. So we went to court, and. Um, the big thing about it too is that my, my parents were sort of unavailable at that point as well because they were so invested in keeping me out of jail that they didn't have any sort of time or energy or maybe awareness to invest into me in terms of, okay, how's Gavin doing here? Like, I mean, is he okay? Um, it was more like, oh, Gavin, you've got a, you've got a meeting with solicitor today. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. There's the next part of the process, and I was like, "Keep me out of jail, keep me out of jail, keep me out of jail." But I was already in my own jail, in my own prison, in my head, without anyone else realizing. And uh, I came to the court day, and three of her sisters actually spoke up, um, and it's something that I'll be internally grateful for. They actually spoke up, and they told the judge that they did not want me to go to jail. Something to that. I'm not too sure the word exactly, but. They didn't want me convicted or didn't want me to go to jail. And um, I think that could have been the the saving grace that kept me out. And as well as all the other good references that I received from the people in my life, teachers and peers and coaches and like stack full of references and all the good work my parents did to keep me out of jail. But at that point, that's where the, maybe that's where the internal healing should have began or maybe, you know, we've gone through this process. We've kept you out of jail. Now, okay, we need to, need to uh to work on you now gavin and, and get you out of here um get get you out of your own internal prison but that didn't come for as eight maybe eight years later so um 
so yeah, where was I? Forgiveness. There's a her family, as I said, her her family, as I believe right now, um, they did forgive me for for what happened. Now I can't speak for everyone, um, and it's her son is is still there, and he's he's doing pretty well, I believe. And um, her brother, her brother, that the the one who who turned away in the doorway that time, he actually um his family adopted her son um and uh yeah i was i was tested there i was tested two years ago where i was at home and went to a went to a golf course with my with my brother and went towards this this tee uh to uh to tee off for the next hole and there he was her son uh i hadn't seen him since he was since since uh, the accident and uh that was the test. That was the test. And uh, I failed the test because I couldn't look him in the eye. Um, I could feel him looking at me, but I couldn't look at him. I couldn't look at him in the eye. I was maybe afraid of what I would see. You know, I could have maybe seen the same level of disgust or anger as I'd seen in her brother, perhaps. Or maybe I would have seen forgiveness, but I was afraid to look. Um, as I said, that was like he was the pivotal. That was a pivotal moment in my life. Um, he was a big factor there in terms of me actually finally reaching out and speaking to someone about it. Uh, and there he was. You know, I, I felt like this huge amount of guilt um, before I reached out to the counselor. And as I said, yeah, I went through the process of counselor and believed that okay, maybe I forgive myself here. But then I met him. And I was left with more questions in terms of, okay, Gavin, the work isn't done here yet. Um, so again, that was two years ago, and it's been, uh, again, a, a continual process to uh, to forgive myself. And it's 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 only been in the last six months, I believe, that I've been able to find this level of inner peace within myself. And again, it didn't just stop at that counselor either. Uh, three years ago, I began with a psychologist. And I started as a psychologist because I believe the psychologist would maybe go a little bit deeper than the counselor would. I felt there was maybe some unfinished unfinished business there. And at the same time, I started journaling, started getting my morning routine into place. And those two things combined have really, as I said, developed this inner peace. But it's a, as I said, it's a continual process. I, I still get the questions. I still get the challenges. But I take those questions. I take those challenges. And I actually do the work to answer them now instead of avoiding them or instead of ignoring them. And that's been the difference. Thank you again for all of that. And I'm just going to maybe wrap that up just so we can, um, you know, tie that particular section and not necessarily have to go back there. Maybe for, for everyone's uh, emotional benefit. Um, Yeah. So thank you very much, man. That sounds like it was incredibly difficult and still is. So I appreciate that you are so open. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, I hope it helps someone. Yeah, dude. Um, I, I kind of want to talk about how you go about parenting now, because I'm curious, sounds like you're doing a lot of stuff that I'm doing in terms of like mindfulness and being present with your with your daughter. Uh, is she your only child? I have uh, a son as well. Mason's four. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And I'm, I'm curious if your own experience and looking back at all this and knowing how bad it feels to feel bad um, has sort of informed your active parenting approach. And what I mean by that is um, like just knowing what to do in the moment 
um, ex, you know, validating emotions, perhaps um, bringing her along in such a way that she knows that you believe in her, that she's important. What has parenting looked like to you since you've been sort of in a, a more grounded, stable place emotionally? Yeah, well, the big thing I've discovered is the more I've become aware of my own emotions and my own behaviors and my own actions, the more I've become aware of her behaviors and her actions and you know her patterns. So this is where I've been able to sort of identify some of my poor habits in the past that have having an impact on her life right now. And again, as I said, for me, yeah, I, I come from a family where my my dad was absent. He had his own internal wounds and trauma and was by no means emotionally available to me at any point in my life and certainly not right now and um, certainly not at that experience of the car accident. So I was very much left to my own devices, I feel, um, all my life from an, an emo- emotional perspective. Now, of course, go back to the parents. The parents tell me, oh, we did this for you. We did that for you. We picked you up from school. We fed you. We put you through college. Yes, 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 external stuff. Um, but where were you when I needed someone to talk to? Where were you when I was dumped by that girl in school? Where were you when I got into that fight and came home with the black guy? You know, like all these sort of difficult experiences that a man, that a man went through. And <clears throat> the big thing now that I want my daughter to know is that I'm there. Ultimately, that's it. That I'm there to listen, not just to hear what she's saying, but to listen to what she's saying, to be, to be present and to identify the emotions that are beneath the words that she's speaking. So, um, and again, it's for her as well to build up her emotion, emotional intelligence to a certain extent. Um, and t- to me, that's so important that um, she doesn't sort of become embroiled in other people's emotions or other people's difficulties or other people's problems with her. And same with my son as well, is that, um, okay, he's only four. He's, you know, it's setting the foundations for him, of course, but it's being present. Like being present is so important. And it's something that I'm super aware of every single day. If I'm sitting on a laptop here, which I do um, for several hours a day, and the kids are running about the house and they're they're doing their own thing and they're happy, they're playing. I'm going, oh, I've got to shut this down. I haven't spent any quality time with the kids today. I'm I'm downstairs and I say, okay, let's go for a walk or let's go to the swimming pool, which you did today. Let's just do something fun together. So I, I make a point every single day to do something with them and to give them that real life experience to know that I'm there for them and I'm willing to be present for them. I'm willing to listen and, you know, work can wait and other things can wait and uh, that they're important and they're of value to me and they feel valued as people then. And of course, this is going to help them as they move forward through life. So yeah, again, that's, that's a, that may be another conversation that we need to go to in terms of my own uh, father and mother wounds, but um yeah. How long do we have? Yeah, man. Jo- join us in men's group this week yeah. and uh, we'll, we'll go all the way. Yeah, yeah. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for that, man. Um, and that one of the things that I find on your social media, because that's where I see most of or I get most of my interactions with you, is that you seem to have like a really good sense of here are the basics. Here are the fundamentals. Like it's not rocket science um, and, and not many people know it. 
And so I see like, you know, you do videos on like four ways to stop losing respect or something like that. And it's like, oh, like this is so basic. And I really love when guys like you and even like I was reading, um, uh, what is that one I've been reading by Dale Carnegie, uh, how to win friends and influence people. It's like, this is so like basic, right? But when you see it and someone explains it to you, it's like, oh, damn, why aren't I doing any of these things? And so I'm curious to know like what your um, what's important in your life? Like, what do you prioritize? Cause I see you in the ocean going for swims and like cold ass weather with waves pounding against you. And I see you out for walks all the time. And I see like you're fit and like you're doing the work. And so do you have like a set sort of foundational principle for your life? And if so, like, what are that, what are the, what is the one guiding principle or what are the five things that you really um, focus on because it just seems to me from your vulnerability, um, your humility, your just like presence, the fact that you are still growing and showing up, like you're quite a, a solid dude just emotionally and like, you know, internally. So I'm really curious of like what drives you like that, what things are important that you are just like non-negotiable on. Yeah. Well, I, <clears throat> I haven't always been this emotionally solid dude and i understand the dire consequences of not being emotionally solid of being emotionally fragile so i've been working pretty hard on on solidifying that foundation on which to build a a stronger life on and it it does start from it starts from the beginning starts from okay it's me first i've got to invest this time and this energy into uh into myself before I begin to build on this throughout the day. And every single morning, non-negotiable every single morning, I'm up before the kids, I'm up before everyone else, and it's my time. And I I take my journal, I, I leave the house, I go to the lake, and I'm in peace, I'm, in, I'm in, in a quiet place, and I can then tune into my emotions and my feelings at that point. And it takes me a few moments, of course, we close, it's maybe some form of meditation, just close my eyes and I, and I feel what's what's happening there. I feel in my body or, or here in my mind. And I just I just write it down. And it could be anything. It could be it could have been the dream I had last night. It could be a challenge that I faced yesterday through a difficult conversation with a guy that's sort of still lingering there. It could be linked to something that happened five years ago, twenty years ago. I don't know. But it's understanding too that like whatever my problem or challenge is today, it's most likely linked to a challenge or a problem that I didn't fully process in the past. So I go there, I go back and I try to find the source in order to understand it and to build the, uh, to build the foundation again from that point. And uh, again, to build on it from a new understanding, a new perspective in terms of what's really going on in my life right now that's been influenced by someone else back here by my mum by my dad by my aunties whoever it may be and of course you know i had to go through the process of um getting over my porn addiction and the porn was not the problem it was the pain behind the porn that was the problem and before the car accident porn was already a problem there it's just maybe the car accident exasperated that porn that porn addiction um but understanding like i had this internal wound that went way back to childhood and I've worked really hard in understanding what that was so when someone comes to me today and they've got some difficulties or some struggles in their life I encourage them to go a little bit deeper in terms of asking the question as to okay where is the source of this pain where is the source of this problem where's the source of this challenge can you identify that and of course it's 
it's difficult. It's painful. You've you've done it. You've been there. It's not an easy process to go back there and revisit uh, past pain, past experiences, or to see your begin to see your parents in a different light as flawed individuals that they're not perfect. They, they made a lot of mistakes in your life, and you're paying the price now. And again, not to point blame, but just gain a better understanding as to what's really going on in your life based on what was happening within them. You know, your parents' pain, pain become your pain. So you have to sort of look at your parents and understand what was happening there and how that transferred into you as a kid and how that's influencing you today. So for me, I've done a lot of that sort of work, that deep, deep work on myself and what the guidance of psychologists as well, which very, very difficult conversations. And, you know, the one thing uh, I began work with a psychologist and it wasn't about the car accident. It was what the rage and anger that I had towards my parents. And again, I was there going, nah, nah, that's, I don't, I don't feel any anger or pain toward, or, or anger or rage towards my parents. Like, no, that's, that's not true. But then I take that idea with me and then I explore it in my journal and I say, okay, hang on a second. Maybe there is something here. And that's, again, he gives me some little nugget of information or little nugget of insight. And I take that with me and I, and I sort of open it up through my journal and through my own questioning. And then I come back to them the following week and say, oh, you know what? You were probably right about that. Yeah, there is there is a lot of anger there. And for sure. And again, this is something else that's cultivated this inner peace, not to be holding anger or blaming other people for my difficulties or problems. You know, it's, it's taking ownership of that and understanding that, look, your parents, you know, come from a different generation hardened individuals and i don't that's not a compliment hardened individuals in terms of like emotionally shut down not allowed to express their emotions coming from a a generation that told them to shut up be quiet or get to work and don't be crying don't be a baby um so there's no there was no room for sort of um their self-investigation or self-development as such so of course they're going to carry that trauma that pain with them into their life and my father to this day, will not speak about his childhood. And I've actually had to investigate that myself in order to understand him better and therefore understand me better because I was carrying his wounds with me. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll cut that story short because I know we're limited on time, but there's a, like, I, from, from my father, my father came from a, he comes from a, an island off the coast of Ireland, so um, it's it's not on the mainland. It's an island twenty miles off off sea, and because he was the oldest boy in the family, uh, a large family at the time, he was thirteen at the time, and his father basically forced him off the island to go and work and to provide for the family. And from what I gather, and this didn't come from him because it's still too difficult for him to speak about. It came from uh, my cousin, his his brother's uh, son. My father like left the island, kicking and screaming, uh, completely, completely traumatized. So that's where my anger towards my father changed to empathy. I was like, "Fuck!" Mm-hmm. And that was the game changer for me. Okay, so thank you for sharing all that again. And man, maybe we should just go into like a, a dad share one day and <laughs> just do that because I think that would be very valuable. Um, but what I heard there just in terms of like recap, like you're up early before everyone else, you get you time, you prioritize yourself, your journal, 
you understand the like past informs the present, which I think like it's so obvious when you look at it. And yet it's like nobody has still nobody understands that this is true. Um, and I heard you take a lot of responsibility like that. Those I, I don't know if there's anything else in there, but those are like fundamental principles to me that I picked up on that, which I think like should apply to pretty much everyone if you want to live a more authentic life mm-hmm. um, and get to the bottom of things. So before I ask you where we can find you and what kind of work you're doing, um, is there anything else that you'd put in there just like principle wise fundamentals um, yeah. at the end of that? Yeah. Well, as I said, I, I do jump in the sea pretty much every day and like it's freezing cold water and um, the big reason I do that is to to build my level of resilience because again going back to previous patterns and previous behaviors you know the reason I you know was so stuck in these habits was because I didn't have the resilience I didn't have the uh, even the confidence or the strength to see beyond them and now I jump in the sea every single morning and still every single I've been doing it for two years now nearly every single morning and I still get to the sea some days I'm going oh fuck I'm going to get in this fucking cold water today, but I go and do it. And again, it, it's building that um, a different level of conditioning within me whenever there's a challenge then in life or a challenge with business or a challenge with family. It's like, yeah, I can deal with that. You may still have this sort of um, overwhelming feeling of um, this sort of a restriction or a fear or um, anticipation there. Like, oh, fuck, this is going to be difficult. But I've, hey, I do that every single morning. So I'm conditioning myself in the morning time by taking on that the voluntary hardships to then be able to take on hardships that that life throw my way so it doesn't phase me as much and look at the same time you look back at the car accident and as difficult as that was like whatever happens next yeah i can deal with that like that's to me like that's as bad as it could possibly get bar okay something happened to the kids you know that that um, <clears throat> these sort of challenges that come up in life now. Even COVID, when it happened, it's like, yeah, okay. Uh, everyone like losing their shit. I was like, yeah, look, I, I've come through worse in my life. So you have this inner confidence from going through the difficulties, going through the challenges, and getting beyond that to then be able to take on further challenges in life. And this enhances your growth and your progress, and you continue to move forward in life. And that's perhaps how I've, be, how I've become a, a leader in, in the field is just by, you know, doing that work on myself first and building that strength and resilience to then be able to help others do the same. So, yeah. So do hard shit. Yes, exactly. I I agree hundred percent, dude, this has been uh, like really magical, honestly. Like I'm, I'm feeling a lot from this and really, really appreciate everything you shared um, and just going as deep as you did because that is not easy and it's very inspiring. Um, So I want to make sure we get like a minute or two or however long you want, honestly, to just drop in whatever you're doing these days, um, where people can find you, where they can work with you. um, Just let us know all the links. I'll drop them in the show notes too. So don't worry about that. Yeah, all good, all good. Well, look, you'll get me anywhere and everywhere. Just type in my name, Gavin Meenan. I think there's only maybe one Gavin Meenan in the world here. So if there's another Gavin Meenan, it's, it, uh, he's got loads of numbers after his name. But I'm Gavin Meenan on Instagram, Gavin Meenan TikTok, Gavin Meenan uh, Twitter, I'm, yeah, Facebook, all the rest of it. So uh, if you type in my name, even on Google, you get all the links there. And uh, I've got the website as well, GavinMeenan.com. And yeah, help men with their with their fitness, with their with their health, with their strength on a physical aspect, but then also help men as well with their with their 
inner difficulties and inner challenges. So I've got sort of two realms there where it's coaching on the physical sense, but then it's mentoring and personal development on the on the other side as well. So just depends where you're at and what you need at that point. So yeah, Gavin Meenan, not Gavin Meehan, uh, which is often mistaken. Uh, so M-E-E-N-A-N, and uh, you'll find me everywhere with, uh, with that name. So yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, well, I'll drop that in the show notes at dad.work slash podcast. You can find all that there if you're listening. And uh, guys, check out Gavin. And I think it's just an excellent idea to put the physical with the mental. Um, I don't think you can actually be successful in the physical unless the mental's dialed in. Um, at least that's been my experience. So man, thank you so much again. And uh, I look forward to just staying in touch because yes. this is Amazing. Likewise, Kurt. Being a privilege, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Dad Work Podcast. That's it for this episode. But if you would like to stay in touch between weekly episodes, why don't you go over to Instagram and follow me there? Because I drop a number of things throughout the week that are related to what we talk about on this podcast, but usually go a little bit deeper provide some tips, you can find me on Instagram at dadwork.curt. That's D-A-D-W-O-R-K dot C-U-R-T. And please, if you have been getting something out of this podcast, if it has touched you, if it has improved your marriage, your parenting, or your life, would you please leave a quick review on Apple or Spotify? Leave a rating. If you have a few extra seconds, leave a quick review. That's the best way that we can get this work in the hands of more fathers. And I truly believe that we change the world one father at a time, because each father that parents better, that loves better, raises children who do the same. And in just a couple of generations, I feel like we could be living in a world much better than the one we live in today. Your review will help along that path. And I thank you so much for being here to listen. Until next week, we'll see you then.